Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. So today I want you to give every fiber of your faith and all of your attention to receive. Just receive, just pull on the gift and get what he's got to say. And then Brother John will be with us for 10, 30, and 6. I would stay. I've told people, stay all day. Don't leave. You ain't, you ain't serious about it if you can leave. I'm just telling you how this works, man. You got to get so hungry, you just stay there and say, God, give me what I got to get. And so say, well, I got what I need. None of us got what we need. This is more than just increasing in your finances. This is increasing in your life. This is how you learn what to do. So can you please do this for me? Can you stand on your feet? We believe in honor. The Bible says, blessed is the man or the woman that comes in the name of the Lord. I believe that today. Lift your hands to heaven. Just lift your hands to heaven. Because we're not receiving just from a man. We're receiving from the man of God. There's something about God on the man that you got to get. Amen. Lift your hands to heaven and thank God. And believe God that today your heart is open to receive everything he has to pour out into your spirit. And we just thank you, Father. For Dr. Rob Thompson, and we believe we're receiving. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to look at the person next to you and say, the doctor thinks you look really good today. And tell them this, I am so happy that I get to sit next to you today. It's the truth, man. You know, because you go to church, you know, you go throughout life, people don't tell you how happy they are to be with you. They just, you know, they kind of like grade you when you come into their presence. But, you know, at least when we come to church, the most, the, the, the greatest thing that we can do for others is always be an encouragement. You know, none of us need anybody else to kind of tell us what's wrong with us. We already know. Nobody knows how bad you are except you. Nobody knows that. But nobody knows how good you are except the person standing next to you. And that's the portion that God's given you to play is to tell somebody else how good they are, not how bad they are, because because you have people in your life all over the place, um, all over the place that'll tell you how bad things are for you. Don't do it. Remember that Moses said it like this, see today I have set before you life and death and blessing and cursing, but you choose life that you and your descendants may live. When you choose life, yeah, you guys got to fix that. That's a little booming. Um, but here, here's the thing, is that you need to understand that whatever you put out of your mouth is what is going to come back to you. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. So if what you put out of your mouth is how bad something is, then something bad is going to happen to you. It's going to come all day. It doesn't go. The, remember, the law of sowing and reaping does not have favorites. It's just a fact. And if something's a fact, I mean, it's almost kind of like, what's the difference between a man and a woman, right? I mean, you know, well, a man can be a woman. Sure he can. Because there's a lot of men that are women right now. They're just acting like it. They're not, but they're just acting like it. And so when you open your mouth, you open your mouth actually to build someone up. You don't ever open your mouth to tear someone down. I mean, the thing that I, I mean, I was on my face on that silly hotel floor this morning, thanking God about how much that I could say something good to someone today. Why? Because somebody's always telling you something bad. You know, you got a guy that pulls in front of you in, in traffic. What are you going to do, man? How, how are you blessing this guy? And what does it do? It hurts you. It doesn't hurt him. He's speeding off. You're over there fuming. You missed the traffic signal. You were the guy that couldn't go through. And all of a sudden, what happens is you're left with the problem. And so raise your hands to heaven and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. It is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It will transform this life which I have. It will pass my mind and go directly into my life because of the goodness that I'm storing up in my heart in Jesus' name. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. I want to... Um, are you guys going to be okay or you want me to go backwards? I can go backwards a little bit. That might help. Is that better? Good. Open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 4. I want to tell you something about life. Life actually is lived by this thing. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse number 14, 15, he said these words. He said, now, listen to this parable. He said, if you don't know this parable, he said, how are you going to know anything? Really, how are you going to know it? Can you guys take this up here so that we can help the sound guys a little bit? Um, so the, the thing you have to realize, when Jesus said, how are you going to know anything? He said, if you don't know this parable, you won't know anything. But if you know this parable, you'll know everything. So that's the thing that you need to understand, is that once, once you know this parable, you'll know everything in life that you need to know. So let's go down to verse number 26. Mark chapter 4, verse number 26, Jesus said, and this is the, the um, well, right here is the, King, is the New King James, but let me, give, let me just say this part to you. He just said, now, so is the kingdom of God. He said, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and he would go to sleep, and he would rise night and day, the spring would grow up, but he doesn't know how. But now notice this next verse. He said, for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Now, we've discussed that yesterday, that when the Bible tells us that God said to Adam, he said, you are but dust, and to dust you shall return. You and I, when we finish this life, whether it be through cremation or whether it be through burial, no matter which one that we go and we choose, what ends up happening is that we go back to the earth from which we came. Wait a minute. I thought I came from my mother. My mother was earth. Now remember, now remember, your father gives the rules and the framework. He gives you a place where what you can do is that you can gain the trust, the love, the respect. You can, you can actually build and achieve the dignity that God wants you to achieve. It's, that, it's really through the framework that the father puts out. Now the mother fills up the bucket. She fills up the bucket of the framework. When she doesn't have to deal with the framework, gentlemen, and have to face off with things with you, she can then turn toward the children and begin to build them into the person that you have become. Because remember, you everything has a border on it. Everything has a lid. My wife can't actually build the kids any greater than me. So I must always be the representative of the father to... Everyone that I come in contact with, certainly in my family. Because remember, it's from the Father that life comes. And because life comes from a Father, and, and really, ladies, for the most part, when, when you get married, and there's a lot of things, and I don't want to talk about marriage, okay? I don't want to go there. But I want to just encourage you. Many, many ladies at this particular point, they never had a very good father. Isn't that true? Didn't have a very good father. But so they go into marriage. And when they go into marriage, they go into what marriage with what's called daddy issues. Now, isn't that true? Now, I mean, listen, tell the truth and shame the devil. Just don't just just understand this. These are facts. This is not kind of, now look, I didn't say I liked them either, and I'm not, and I would never use anything of the world. I was sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally abused. I had every type of, every type of phobia 
placed upon me from a, from a family line of losers that came from thousands of years of existence. All of that came to me. I have four generations of failure in my life. No successes, no Christians, no nothing, and then there was me. So understand this. Each and every one of us, in, in one way, grow up in life with daddy issues. We do. There, what is our problem with God? It's a daddy issue. It's not a relational problem. You're here, right? So you know that you've been created. You know you're here. So you know you have a relationship with God. The problem is, is that you don't have fellowship with God. Fellowship comes when all of the walls are, are broken down. Fellowship comes when what we do is we take a risk and begin to trust. Fellowship comes when what we do is that we recognize that he who is within us is greater than the circumstances that have been thrust upon us. So my father lives on the inside of me. And because he lives on the inside of me, thus I can actually proceed into life and become successful based upon what my father said, not my mother. My mother tells me how she feels. I begin to feel. When I begin to feel that all of a sudden what happens is you begin to think like, well, here's what I think. This is what I think. This is what that person's doing. This is what they've said. This is what their motives are. There's the, now, all of a sudden, what's happening is, is that the words of your father are now becoming clouded by the situations and circumstances and the people that are in our lives. So Jesus said this, so is the kingdom of God. Understand this. He said, now, if you know this parable, you're going to know everything. He said, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and he'll sleep and rise night and day and the seed would spring and grow up. He doesn't know how. Now, I don't know how things happen in my life. I don't know how, but what, I, but what I'm discovering is, is that I did it to me. I birthed casting that seed into this earth. And when I cast the seed in here, it will, that seed will spring and grow up. How? I don't know. Because the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, just a little. Starts with a thought. Starts with a thought. I just, you know, I just, my thoughts. I, 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 I just, oh, that just that thought. I remember when I, I actually first came to Christ. Was really my first shot at him. I first came to Christ, and when I did, I had so much torment in my mind. Remember, I was just fresh out of the mental institution because that's where Jesus saved me, in the loony bin. So here you have it. Most, by, by the way, most crazy people just don't recognize that they are, and they're still running among us. So just don't, don't, don't. You know, I think I, I think I was put in the mental institution to keep me from other people, just the same way that Joseph was put in prison to keep him from Potiphar's wife. You know, that's, you know, that's how I, that's how it kind of, that's how I look at it today. I didn't look at it at that time, but I came out of there with, with so much anxiety about my thoughts. Once I got saved, I knew that the thoughts that were running through my mind, whether they came from right? They came from wrong, whether they came from God or from whoever else, because I was just filled with the devil myself. But the, I didn't really know where those things came from, but they began to torment me. I used to sit in restaurants. I sit in front of everybody, and this was during, these were during the years that people would kind of frown at you for having your, uh, your Bible with you. I mean, now they just take it out because they know that most people that bring out their Bibles aren't doing anything anyway. They're no threat to the devil no, no matter what. They got a cross. They got a Bible. They got, you know, they got incense. They got all the stuff. They scream the name of Jesus. They do the whole thing, and they actually become the sons of Sceva in front of everyone. And so the big, so the big thing that 
was fa- what I was facing was I would sit there and all of a sudden that there would be some thoughts that would run across my mind. And I actually, you know, I never wanted to let the devil know what I was thinking. I didn't realize that he was the author of the thought. So because of that, here I'm sitting there and I'm trying to read my Bible at, this, at a restaurant. And so as I'm sitting there on my lunch break, as I'm sitting there through all of this stuff, this thought comes upon, across my mind. And when it does, it's like this. Oh! And I can remember I would sit there and grimace sitting there trying to let this thought pass through until the day I discovered that really I was doing that myself and these were renegade thoughts in my life. These renegade thoughts were nothing little more than prisoners of my past. Because you are either a prisoner of your past or the pioneer of your future and any given moment. You're one or the other. And it's, it's the story. Believe me when I tell you this. It is this. I see, I'm not coming from a theory anymore. In many cases, when people stand before us, they're talking to us about theory, something that they believe. I'm not telling you what I believe. I'm telling you about my bruises, my cuts, and the, and the, the murder of life that I've had to face. Now, I'm telling you that this is what happens, is that you'll discover that your thoughts either come from the root of God or the root of yesterday. How you grew up, where you grew up, with who you grew up, the friends that you had, the people that were around you, the socioeconomic the socioeconomic way that you have lived. That's the reason why that people can't break into success is because they come together so much, they, they're so concentrated with each other, anytime that you would ever want to begin to break out of the pack and become successful, there are 40 or 50 people that will turn around and tell you that you can't do it. You can't do it. And what happens is that instead of God who says, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. You begin to get more interested in Aunt Mabel when she said, oh, honey, there have been many people. You think you're better than your father, honey? You think you can do more? I remember the day that I actually passed my father in income. That day, I remember. I was dumb enough not to think about inflation. You know, I just, I just didn't, I didn't think about that. But I remember that day, I felt like I had accomplished something. But now I could do something for my parents the moment that I could do more than they did. And so I actually did something that they never did. I honored my mother and my father after I became a Christian. I didn't have to have anybody tell me. Somehow, some way, I knew inside that I needed to honor my parents. So with all of this, I begin to see it written on the pages of the book concerning you and I, that we've come to do the will of God. The reason that people become upset or anxious about life is because they're out of sync with themselves. They're out of sync with God. They're out of sync with the laws of prosperity. Do you realize, friends, that it takes just as long to be poor as it takes to be prosperous. Nobody gets 25 hours in a day. Rich people don't get 25 and poor people don't get 23. Everyone has 24 hours a day. It's how they fill those hours that makes the difference. And so you, you need to understand that. So let's go back to Mark chapter 4 for just a moment. He said, for so is the, the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground, he'll sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would spring and grow up. He doesn't know how. Because the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is offered, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Verse 30. For so is the kingdom of God. So is that kingdom. Well, then he said, to what shall we liken? I'm sorry. To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? And with what comparison shall we compare it? 
It is like a grain of mustard seed, which is sown in the earth. It's smaller than all the seeds which be in the earth. But then when it is sown, it grows up. The Message Bible says something a little bit different, of which I appreciate. He said that it's just like an acorn. It's just like this little acorn that falls to the ground and becomes this great oak tree, oak tree. And when it does, when it becomes this great oak tree, actually eagles can rest in it. We're still having trouble back there, guys. So, so understand this, is that you are the earth. You're the one who plants. You're the one who reaps. You plant what's going to happen. You plant today what's going to happen in your future. How long will that take? It depends on what kind of soil that you sow it in. It depends on where your heart's at. Where, where's the unforgiveness live in your life? Who is it that you haven't let go? Who is it that you're still holding on to? Who is it that you cannot seem to break out of the, let's just say, the routines of yesterday? Why is that? It's because there's still another person who's got a position in your life that God does not want them to have. So let's talk about that for, for a little while. What are these laws of prosperity? What is one of the greatest things that I'd ever found? I remember the first time, and I mentioned this yesterday, I remember the first time that I went into a room, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Copeland, Charles Capps, Jerry Savelle, Joyce Meyer, just all in the room. And when these people are in this room, I walk in the room and I ask myself, and this is the first time I ask myself, what am I doing here? This is crazy. Why am I here? And so the only thing I could discover, because at this particular portion of life, was to be able to scale the room. I looked at the entire room, and I saw what was there. I did not try to duplicate one person, because anything that is a duplicate, if there's anything that's a duplicate, one of the two become unnecessary. The original is the only one. Clones are the ones that break down. So remember that. Keep that in mind. And so with this, with this, that as I was inside this room, I just became what everyone else was not. I knew every person. I knew what they brought to the table. I knew why they were in the room. But now I had to have a reason in the room to be there. And the reason that came to me was I needed to be what everyone else was not. That's the reason that it gave me purpose to be there. So with that in mind, I just want to give you 20 minutes worth of this understanding. It was eye-opening, an eye-opening discovery the moment that I realized that everything that God ever created, He created to solve a problem. God never created anything. There's never been an invention that didn't solve a problem. And by the way, most of the inventions in the entire world have come from America. Just so you understand that. If you want to think something about your nation, it's that we invent everything, other people duplicate it. Now, they can improve on some of the things that we do. Because a lot of times when people invent things, they just, they're so juiced on inventing that as soon as they invent it, they just go to something else. Well, that, there are people who come on stage two of that rocket, and that is we're going to make this thing better. And what are we going to do? We're going to change it just a little bit to be able to, to not get into these patent infringements. And that's how we're going to be able to market the same type of product, but not being exactly the same product. And that's what the rest of the world does. What do you think about all of this stuff about, you know, this uh, intellectual espionage? The intellectual properties, the, the inventions, the different things that we have created, the different patents we have. Other countries don't have patents. And if they're not necessarily a friend of America, you better believe everything you see in that country. You think, gosh, that really looks kind of cool. Yeah, because you've thought it up. That's why you think it is. So everything God created, he created to solve a problem. In the workplace, there are different occupations that solve problems. Now, how many of you have a job? Got a job. I want to tell you how to win at a job. 
Because even if you're, let's say you're retired, even if you're retired, the Bible never talks about retirement. Just to let you know, even if you're retired from a career, what you need to do is you need to have something that's productive or else you'll die. The moment that, the moment, friends, remember this, the moment that you do not have something that ignites your morning or your day, the, morning that, the moment that you don't have that, death has you in its grasp. Because you're not looking forward anymore. Life is like, and, and some of you older people will be able to attest to this. Life is like a tilt-a-whirl. How many of you have ever been to a carnival? Been to a carnival. Now, some of, some of y'all had to go to theme parks, but some of us went to carnivals when we were younger. They would just come through town and set up at a particular place and be there for a week, and everybody went, and how fun it was. But now what we've done is we've built these massive parks and I don't know what it, I don't, I can't figure out how you pay somebody uh, $200 to try to make you throw up. I haven't, I could throw up and it doesn't cost me a dime. It doesn't do a thing for me. You know, I mean, I can do it. But, but here you have, you have these, these carnivals, all these carnivals come through town. A lot of, a lot of stuff re- really kind of happens in life. But what that did, what that carnival did actually for us was it solved a problem. We have an entertainment problem. So what did we do? We went from there. We went from a circus to a carnival to social media. Now we can stay at home and rock our own social media and do our own thing. It's just a crazy life. So everything that God has created, he created to solve a problem. Interestingly enough, is that doctors solve health problems, dentists solve teeth problems, lawyers solve legal problems. I did that yesterday. And then ministers solve spiritual problems. Don't expect a minister to be everything to you because I got caught in, in it for a long time. And that is that you become, you become the real estate agent, you become the dad, you become the mom, you become the banker, you become, oh, oh, can, can you lend me some money? You, you become all of these things, and you really aren't doing the things. You don't really look to the minister to do for you what the minister needs to do, and that is to solve your spiritual problems. He's not here to solve my, my financial problems. He's here to solve my spiritual problems. Why? Because they're more important than my financial problems. And by the way, the minister can always go somewhere else and make more money than he makes by being a minister. Always. I don't care how much he makes. He can go somewhere else and make more money. So he's doing what he's doing out of service and must never be criticized or judged, but always worked with, submitted to, and, and, and actually followed. Teachers solve intellectual problems. Chefs and waitresses solve appetite problems. So one of, the, one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in the arena of success is that you'll become the most valuable person. We have this one. You'll become the most valuable person someone will ever meet the moment you decide to solve a problem for them. The moment that you begin to learn how to solve problems. I, I am created to solve a problem. Remember this, you will only be remembered for the problems that you solve or the problems that you create. One or the other. People don't remember you neutrally. They remember either you solved the problem or you created one. So when you have a relationship with anyone in your home, you go into that relationship at home knowing this, that every encounter that you have is solving a problem for them or creating a problem for them. Men, when you go home from work, you need to make sure that you touch base, make sure everybody's happy, make sure the kids are doing well before you unwind. After you've made sure that the house is, is clear and clean and there's peace inside your home, you can relax a little while before it becomes your duty to begin to teach the children about life. 
remember that there's only two kinds of people in life. And these are just nuggets that I'm throwing at you. There are only two kinds of people in life. Number one is that people that want you to be happy with what they do. And number two is that there are people who want to do what makes you happy. Many times in the, in the first, in the first, in, in number one, what ends up happening is that people do something and, they, and they're very happy with it. It's like going to a birthday party. When you go to this birthday party, you know, somebody says to you, you say, well, what are you going to, what are you going to get that person for their birthday? He said, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to get that person for their birthday because I'll tell you what, they're going to love this. I love this. I love this thing so much and, and I love it so much. They're going to love it. It's going to be actually great. So you go and you give somebody something that you wanted them to have. And because you wanted them to have it, all of a sudden they go to the birthday. You go to the birthday party, they open the presents, they go, oh, thanks. And you'll never see it again. Because when you bought it, you didn't buy it for them. You really bought it for you. You were the person who liked it. They never said that they liked it. Find out what people like. Now, one of the most important things about your life is that you need to make sure that you have a giving life. That giving life needs to go out and take care of not only the people in your own house, 1 Timothy 5.8, but you take care of that, but you also take care of the people or you begin to sow the seed outside of your family. When you begin to sow the seed outside your family, you don't sow the seed outside your family um, with the kind of things that A, that you want, or, or B, you think, well, how, okay, how can I get around this? It's very simple. You begin to learn what people want. I study people before I get with them. I find out the kind of things that they like. I have actually made a number of mistakes because I didn't understand this very thing. But once I discovered that even in, in the business end of life, that if you're going to have a client or a friend, let's say a friend, if you, if you are just meeting a new person and you want to make a really good impression upon that individual, you need to find out something about them first. And when you find out something about them and you begin to meet that need, all of a sudden, I'll give you a couple of stories. Number one, number one, um, how many of you have ever seen one of the college kids hanging out there with the Cutco knives? They just throw out there selling Cutco knives. Man, just, and, and really, you're trying to help the, the college kids when they're going through college, and, and you let them come over, and you let them give you a little bit of a, you know, some type of um, presentation. And when they do, it's like $800 for knives, and you're thinking, oh, man, I don't have the heart to tell this kid I'm not going to buy these knives. So you go out there and buy these knives, and these kids think that they're really cool because they're selling $800 sets of knives when you can buy them for $29 on, on the Internet. But found out that a, that a family, really wealthy family, really likes to have dinner parties. They love to cook for people. So they have all these people come over. So I said, well, okay, how can we do this? Turned around and had commissioned a set of knives for them with their names on the handle. Those knives are out every day. Why? I'm now in the mind of someone every day because what I did was I studied those people just a little bit. Owner, large corporation, Mr. Big Stuff. He's a, you know, he's a Miami fan, Miami, the Hurricanes. So what do we do? We go out there, we get the poster, we get the autographs, we get season tickets, and then we want to meet with him. And all of a sudden, do you think that that guy didn't give us the work? 
Not a chance. He hung that thing up on the wall. He had season tickets that he can now either use or turn around and give away. He's got all of those, uh, all those autographs on the wall. And why? It didn't cost really anything. But what it was, was that you cared enough for someone that they're going to remember you forever. Remember this. They're going to remember somebody. Why won't it be you? Well, gosh, that seems like a lot of work. So is poverty. Poverty. See, poverty is not the lack of money. Everybody's got money. You don't come to America and not have money. You have money. The worst person in this room has more than over 90% of the people in the world. Don't, so don't, please. We're only 3% of the population of the world. So know this, is that even if things aren't good, you're still better off than most people who actually have to walk on the face of this earth. And so poverty is not the lack of money. Poverty is the proof of misguided money. When you misguide your money, that's when poverty shows up. Now with that, with that, let's kind of go into this for just a moment. There, as I mentioned, there are two kinds of people in life. So here are some thoughts to help you become a more effective person and problem solver for others. Number one is money is little more than the reward for providing solutions. It's the reward for solving problems, that's all it is. Because it's one of the major reasons why millions of people attend financial seminars. People are, are desirous of money all the time. They just don't want to do the things that are easy to do. Because easy to do things are all that God asks us to do. We want to find out how the difficult things. It's not the difficult things, it's your attitude. It's the way you look at others. It's whether you believe that you will serve or whether you need to be served. You choose. What do you want? You want, ladies, you want to know how to become great in a man's eyes? <clears throat> He's simple. He's not that difficult. He's not emotional. When he tells you, and when you ask him, well, what are you thinking about? And he says nothing. That's the truth. Women are different than men. Women always have a thought. Men don't always have thoughts. We actually can sit there and stare for an hour and someone will ask you, what are you thinking? And you go, nothing. And the wife, and the wife goes, oh, yes, you are. I know what you're thinking. Why? Because you've been thinking. You, guys don't think that much. You have to understand, that guy is there for a couple of reasons. He's there for provision. But some of you ladies had to go out into provision. Why? Because that guy's mama didn't make him a man. That guy's teachers made him a woman. And now they're bold enough to do it right in front of you. But the truth is, is that, hey, look, He's there for provision. He's there for protection. He's there to bring stability to your home. Why are you there? You're there to make a home. When he walks in that house, he needs to know that the Holy Ghost has been there. When he comes around, all he needs to, all he needs to do is to make sure that everything, that the plane is flying straight, when the plane is flying straight, you take care of the rest and you just say, you just make the plane stay up in the air and you just keep rocking. You need your feet rubbed? Let me rub your feet, darling. Let me tell you why you're rubbing his feet. It's not because you want to be so pleasing. You're rubbing his feet so that character can go to work in the morning. You want him working. Get him out of the house. Make him think that you're rubbing his feet because you love him. That's all. I already know you. It's not a problem. But, the, but really, do you, know what a, do you know really what a man loves in a woman? For her to be happy. 
Most girls aren't happy. They're just not happy. Well, what are they not happy about? Okay. Okay. It's about that that they're not happy. Because you need to understand that unless you focus on solving problems, you'll always be unhappy. If you don't focus on solving problems and seeing that other people have something you can solve, then what, if you don't do that, then what you'll do is that you'll want everyone to solve yours. I don't want anybody solving my problems. Now, it's their problem to solve my problem, but my job from morning till evening is to solve problems wherever I go. That's all I do. I just solve problems. I solve them, I solve them, that's it. I just solve problems. So number one is money's a little, uh, little more than a reward for solving problems. Number two is that your value in life is in direct proportion to the problems that you're willing to solve for others. Your value. I didn't say your worth. You're worthy. You're worthy, but not valuable. Where's your value? What do you bring? I mean, the, the, one of the big questions out there in the market at this particular place is, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring them? Well, girls, bring it to the table your sexual value. Remember this, that after your mid-20s, your sexual value begins to descend. So it's not your sexual value that you really bring to a table. What you bring to a table is your heart, your sweetness, your happiness, your joy, your beauty, you're fixing yourself up. You know, I don't want to go to work in the morning and have my wife be in sweats when I go to work and then have her be in sweats when I get home. That's not it. You want to know how to keep him engaged with you? Always smell good, always look good, and always give him something to come home to. Always. Now, so, well, yeah, but why doesn't he have to do that for me? Keep his plane, keep the plane up. You keep the plane up. Them kids, them kids, you need to teach them kids. Find out what he wants the kids to be taught. Find out. Okay, what are we doing? Let's, let's make a family, uh, a family mission statement. Let's actually put it down. Here's why we're going to raise our kids. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to take care of. This is what you're going to take care of. Then go from there. Number three. Number three, you'll only be remembered for the problems that you solve or the problems that you generate. Or the problems you generate or the problems you terminate. It's just a different way. That's all you're going to be remembered for. What, do you, what are you bringing? What are you bringing? Are you bringing the solving of a problem? Or are you bringing the making of a problem? Oh, we got a problem. No, we had a problem. You mean you, the first time you're seeing it is now? We've had this thing for three years. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? That's the one thing we're not going to do. Is we're not going to worry about it. We're not doing that. And so I bring peace to my home. Even when, even when fear attempts to beat down my front door. I bring peace to my home. Well, what are we, Rob, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's very simple. We're going to win. How are we going to win? I don't know. How are you going to do this? I have no clue. What's going to happen? We're going to win. Well, don't, but don't you think, no. Relax. Take it easy. This is going to be just fine. We're going to come out of this. Our family is going to be just great. The kids are going to be just fine. We're going to get the kids in the right schools. We're going to get the kids in, in the right High schools, we're going to get the kids in the right colleges if they choose to go to college. That's what's going to happen. How are we going to do it? I'm not sure yet, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start saying that it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen because I'll only be remembered for the problems I generate. We never have any money. We don't have anything. 
I don't even know why. I don't even know why you're doing this. I don't even know why you, you're thinking about this kind of stuff that you're thinking about. No, it's really simple. Is that in life with you, I either make you smile when I walk in the room or I make you miserable when I walk in the room. Thinking, oh, why is he here? Why? I don't want him to be here. You know? Joseph solved a problem for Pharaoh and became the, and became the ruler in, in Egypt. Remember this. Joseph would never be Pharaoh in Egypt, right? He wasn't Egyptian. But he ruled Egypt from the second chariot. You'll rule life. If you're an employee, you'll rule life by being where you are at your job. You'll rule life by actually you winning in your business. You'll rule life by being an example to the people around you about your personal continued improvement. I can't ask anything of my wife that I'm not doing. I can't just say, well, you know, today what I want, this is what I want you to do. This is what you need to handle. This is what you need to fix. But I can't, without me fixing stuff, are you kidding me? I'm not here to just dictate to her. I have to play my part too. I can't expect her to play a part where I play no part. Everybody's got their own. Every man has a cross to bear. But darling, look, I can't bear the cross if you're not happy because you make me turn and look at you instead of looking out into the future where I need to be looking. Isn't that true? That's really true. Number four. Number four is confronting problems that others refuse to face will make you indistinguishable. What problems, friends, what problems do you solve? Are you called, are you called upon to solve problems or do people stay away from you when it comes time to actually say, you know what, we've got this thing and I just really think it will be really benefit, beneficial if you really undertook this, this task. Well, yeah, but what are you going to pay me for it? No, you need to understand what promotion is. Promotion, friends, is not more money. Promotion is more responsibility. It's the fulfillment of that responsibility that brings more money. But what happens is, most of the time, is that when people, are, people need to work a particular amount of time. Well, what, what, how did that happen? If I've got to, if I've got to work something, people are trying to work as least as they possibly can. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the business owner is going to call on you to actually become a partner when you're trying to work as little as you can? Not a chance. Not a chance. Are there, are there bad people in life? Yeah, there really are. But let me tell you something. The whole idea about Jesus is Jesus Jesus said, and I, Chris and I, Pastor Chris and I were talking about this yesterday, that you lift up your eyes. When you lift up your eyes, you see something different. You can look at your problems. Jacob had all the sheep that he was looking at, had all these problems. But until he lifted up his eyes, he couldn't, didn't have the answer about how to build his flock instead of Laban's. You can, you can look at your problems or you can look at being able to solve them. Which one is it going to be? You only, remember this, you and I are only creatures of reaction. When you react, you lose. When you act, you win. When you react, you lose. So, other people refusing to, refusing to face off with problems. For me, I'm only interested in this one thing, and that is what more problem can I undertake for my boss where I work? That's all. I would go in, in when I worked for UPS, I would go into my manager's office every morning before I went out on the street, and there were just 
hundreds of guys everywhere. But I would go and I'd stop at my manager's office every day and I'd just tell him to him, I'd say, boss, I just want to let you know this one thing before I leave this morning, that I am only here for one purpose. Well, you're here for a job. No, I'm not. I'm here to get you a promotion. I even told one guy, I said, you know what? I know you don't like me, but that don't bother me. I said, because you don't like me for the right reasons. I said, but, but know this, I'm here today and you are going to get a promotion from my performance. My performance was so good, the guy got promoted and I got rid of somebody that hated me. Because, now look, you know, when somebody says, well, what are we going to do? We need to let this person go. You need to get him out. You need to get him out. I remember, I remember I was addressing a, the top 250 business leaders of a particular nation, and, the, and it was for the president's wife. And after I finished and came down, she, here, she leaned over and she said these very words to me. I said, I wrote here, the first lady of the country leaned to me and said, and I quote, if my people could embrace what you just taught us, I'm confident that our economic problems would dissipate. Said we would have no problems if they would just do what you just said. And I said, that's the reason why I'm here. Because in, in this you need to know that goes along with that. There's always a return for you. But you need, to, you need to actually stop thinking for a moment about the return. Let me, let, I'm, I'm sorry, I just saw the time. Let me, um, let me finish up with this one thought. Can you bring up that, the, the, last, uh, the last slide that you have, the slide for something free that I want to give the people? It's right there toward the end. Now nope, go all the way toward the end. Uh, low, is it there? You got it, sweetheart? I wanted to give you something this morning. And then open your Bibles with me, please, if you would. If you would, to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. In Philippians, chapter 4, um, oh, the first thing here, why don't you scan this? Because I want to give you a free download of something. This, these are just... Um, these are just financial confessions according to God's word. I take the word of God and I actually will quote the word, then I will actually give you an affirmation or confession about that. So just scan that if you would. And you're going to love this. The, the one that I did on healing, um, this one's on finances, but the one that I did on healing has about 9.8 uh, 9 million views right now and downloads of that particular set. So, but I want to let you know, this is on that par. So you're, you're going to love this. I haven't checked into the views on this, but, but the thing that's important is I want you to hear that. And, and you just put these things in your car, just let them play. There's great music behind them and it's my voice. And if you can't handle me, then don't download it, you know. <laughs> If you can't, hey. But in Philippians chapter 4, there's something interesting. Let's take a look at that. Philippians chapter 4, during this whole thing, Philippi was the church that the Apostle Paul had a great relationship with. They understood his problems, the things that he faced. The Corinthians, which were the rich people, they only did something by intention. And that's the, that's the problem people have, is that they live by intention and not by actions. And thus, people believe that they did something when they only thought about it. Because they've convinced themselves of it. So Paul's coming down, and this really is a partner letter. And he's coming down to Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Let's start with that. In verse 15... He said, now you Philippians know also, you know this, that in the beginning of the gospel or when, you know, we started going to the world, he said, no church communicated with me in giving and receiving, but you alone. 
No church worked with me in the giving and the receiving. Now, I didn't say giving and taking, and neither did he. He said, for even in Thessalonica, he said, you sent once and again to my necessity. He said, not because I desire a gift. He said, I'm not, I'm not talking to you about that. He said, but what I'm doing now, and this is the, this is the crux of it. He said, I desire that fruit may abound to your account. He said, but I have all. And I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the gifts which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Verse 19, he said, but my God shall supply all of your need. How did that come? That came because he saw somebody else's need and met it. They saw the needs that he faced and he, they sent. All we can tell of him being in Thessalonica, all we can tell is that he was there three weeks. And in three weeks, they sent offerings to him two times. Now, with all that in mind, this week or this weekend is a special time and things are going to change for many people's lives. The man that you're going to be hearing in just a little while is one of the men in the entire world that has been called by God to free the body of Christ from debt. Can you imagine being called by God to just help people get out of debt? But they need your cooperation. One of the things I learned was this is that if I could become like God, then I could actually help others become like God. And God, my friends, God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. I'm telling you, today, this, this whole week, I... I don't, know, I don't know how else to say it. You can just feel it in the atmosphere that this whole week is just going to lift levels, in, not just in your mind, but in your spirit, to go to another place. Already, you know, I just feel like, man, think about that problem solving. You say, Pastor Chris, I got a job. Think about what your job is going to look like the minute you walk in there and you start using these principles. What's your life going to look like when you start using these principles? Yesterday... Well, it's phenomenal. Go back and watch that. The principles within yesterday could change your future forever. These principles today, now here's the thing, you gotta have application. You got information, now you gotta apply that information. What's your future gonna look like with your seed in the ground and the, and the tools to get there? Now, I've been doing this just for a minute. These guys, got, they know way more than I know. But all I know is this, is that, I, and every time I get around Dr. Rob, and now that we're around Brother Abazzini, just tell me what to do. You get it? That's what I'm saying. Just tell me what to do. I don't ask him. Just tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. You got to be, you wouldn't be, man, you'd be sitting here, you're lying as a believer saying, I don't want a better marriage. I, I want to have a better relationship with my kids. I want to see my kids serve God at another level. I want to see my finances go to another level. I want to see my relationships go to another level. You got all this stuff in God you want to see, and all I sit there and say sometimes is just show me how to do it. I, I don't know how to do it. If you show me how to do it, I can do it. Man, they're showing us how to do it. Don't sit here and be like, autopilot. No, get it and apply it and transform your life forever because the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. And once you got wisdom, you get understanding. Once you get understanding, you got success. And everything in your life changes forever. That's what we're doing this weekend. It's about taking your life to another level with no limitation. Amen? Come on, stand up on your feet. Praise the Lord. Dr. Rob, such a blessing we received from heaven today. I told you what I would do. I'd just stay in the building. I wouldn't even change. I'm telling you, I wouldn't even leave my seat. I would stay and just let it happen. Amen? And then be back here tonight. Don't forget, immediately after this service, 6 o'clock tonight, be back. Brother John's with us the rest of the way here now, today. 
Amen. So you got Brother John, 1030. You got Brother John, 6 o'clock. And then, and then we're going we're to let him go, go do what he's got to go do. But praise the Lord. We're going to receive everything he's got. Amen. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the change and transformation taking place in this house. And we honor you and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone in the house said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.